Hi, I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now! If you believe our independent reporting is essential, please sign up for a monthly gift of $5, $10, or even $20 a month today by visiting democracynow.org. That's democracynow.org. Your gift will be matched dollar for dollar by a generous donor. Thank you so much. From New York, this is Democracy Now! And the way that we create urgency on the issue of climate is when we have people all across the world in the streets, in the streets, showing up, demanding change, and demanding a cessation of what is killing us. We have to send the message that some of us are going to be living on, a, on this planet 30, 40, 50 years from now, and we will not take no for an answer. As many as 75,000 people rallied near the United Nations in New York City Sunday at a march to end fossil fuels. The rally came as world leaders begin to arrive here for the United Nations General Assembly. We'll hear from Congressmember Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, former Irish President Mary Robinson, and Ugandan climate activist Vanessa Nakate. We will not stand by and let our communities to be destroyed. We will not stand by and let people's lives get lost as climate disasters become worse. Because we refuse to accept that anymore. All that and more coming up. Welcome to Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. The World Health Organization and aid groups have called on Libya's government to stop burying flood victims in mass graves a week after unprecedented rainfall caused a pair of dams to collapse, devastating the eastern coastal city of Derna. The U.N. reports about 4,000 people were killed by the floods, with more than 9,000 people still missing. The toll is down from the U.N.'s previous report of more than 11,000 deaths. More than 30,000 survivors have been rendered homeless and are in immediate need of clean water food and shelter. Aid workers continue to collect the bodies of the dead. As a Libyan, when I pull out bodies, I swear, I cry, I can't handle it. But it is God's will, so you have to hold up and pull out the body. There was a body that was divided in two parts, right before us. There's nothing to do but to pull out the body. What can you do? As the climate catastrophe devastates the planet, hundreds of thousands of protesters around the globe took to the streets over the weekend, calling for an end to the burning of fossil fuels. Climate actions took place in the Philippines, India, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Sweden, Germany, the United States, and across dozens of other countries and cities worldwide. Here in New York, an estimated 75,000 protesters joined a massive March Sunday, following days of peaceful actions targeting banks and other institutions involved with the fossil fuel industry. It was the largest rally New York has seen in years. Ahead of the march, at least 16 climate activists were arrested Friday after they occupied and shut down the Museum of Modern Art for more than five hours over its ties to fossil fuel billionaire Henry Kraft. Travis, co-founder of the Wall Street investment firm KKR. 
Meanwhile, in Germany, thousands of protesters gathered in Berlin's Brandenburg Gate, spraying orange paint on its columns. Several protesters were arrested. This is an activist as they were taken into police custody. The government has to take measures now to achieve climate neutrality by 2030. It can't be that our last basic livelihoods are being destroyed. The Brandenburg Gate stands for a political turning point like no other landmark. And we need exactly this turning point again today. The chancellor continues to pour oil on the fire. It can't just be that basic livelihoods of millions, no billions of people are being put on the line. Science and scientists are clear that we need to exit the use of fossil fuels by 2030. The protests kicked off a week of mobilizations as world leaders will convene at the United Nations General Assembly starting today, where U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres is hosting a special climate summit Wednesday, which U.S. President Biden does not plan to attend. After headlines, will spend the rest of the hour hearing voices from Sunday's march to end fossil fuels outside of the United Nations. A United Auto Workers strike targeting the big three automakers has entered its fourth day. About 12,700 workers walked off the job Friday, but the UAWs warned the strike could expand in scope. On Sunday, talks resumed between the UAW and representatives of General Motors, Ford and Stellantis. Over the weekend, Stellantis, which is the parent company of Chrysler, offered workers a 21 percent pay hike, but UAW President Sean Fain rejected the offer. He appeared on CBS Face the Nation Sunday. We've asked for 40 percent pay increases, and the reason we asked for 40 percent pay increases is because in the last four years alone, the CEO pay went up 40 percent. They're already millionaires. Right. You know, it's shameful that uh, you know one of the one of the leaders of the corp one of the corporations sitting in his second home in Acapulco while we're bargaining, rather than being at the bargaining table. And so, you know, our demands are just. We're asking for our fair share in this economy and the fruits of our labor. So, 21 percent is a no-go for you. It's definitely a no-go, and we've made that very clear to the companies. On Friday, Independent Senator Bernie Sanders traveled to Detroit to speak at a UAW rally where he decried corporate greed. And let me thank the UAW for standing up not only for your own members, but for the working class of this country. The fight you are waging here is not just about decent wages and working conditions and pensions in the automobile industry. It is a fight to take on corporate greed and tell the people on top this country belongs to all of us, not just a few. Ukraine's military says it seized control of a village near the eastern city of Bakhmut that's been the site of intense battles for weeks. It's the second Russian-occupied village recaptured by Ukraine in recent days and comes ahead of a visit by Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky to the United States this week. He'll address the United Nations General Assembly in person for the first time since Russia's invasion. He'll then travel from New York to Washington, D.C. for talks with President Biden and congressional leaders ahead of an address of a joint session of Congress. In August, President Biden asked Congress for an additional $13 billion in military aid to Ukraine, an additional $8 billion in humanitarian assistance.
The military leaders in Mali, Niger and Burkina Faso have signed a mutual defense pact where they agree to help each other militarily against outside aggression and against internal rebellions. The three nations are all former French colonies, which experienced military coups in recent years. This is Mali's foreign affairs minister, Abdoulaye Diop. Any attack on the sovereignty and territorial integrity of one or more of the contracting parties will be considered as an aggression against the other parties and will entail a duty of assistance and relief on the part of all parties. This comes as tension is escalating between France and Niger's new military leaders. On Saturday, thousands of protesters rallied outside a French military base in Niger after French President Emmanuel Macron claimed France's ambassador is being held hostage at the French embassy. Protesters called on French troops to leave Niger. We know that Emmanuel Macron is looking for a war pretext to invade our country. But Emmanuel Macron must understand that the people of Niger are determined. Emmanuel Macron must understand that we have understood their game and we are not going to fall into their trap. In Sudan, a landmark office tower in the capital Khartoum caught fire and burned for hours Sunday amid fierce fighting between Sudan's army and the rival paramilitary rapid support forces. The fire ravaged the 18-story Greater Nile Petroleum Company tower. Several government buildings also caught fires. Paramilitaries launched attacks on positions controlled by the army. Residents report it was some of the worst fighting since violence between the factions of the military junta erupted on April 15th. Medical authorities report all the main hospitals in Khartoum and in Sudan's western Darfur region were out of service on Sunday. Iranian authorities are expected to release five U.S. citizens in their custody today after the Biden administration unfroze $6 billion of Iranian oil revenue. The funds will be used for medicine, food and other humanitarian goods. Washington's also freeing five Iranians imprisoned in the U.S. as part of the deal, which was brokered by Qatar. In more news from Iran, authorities detained the father of Masa Amini on Saturday, on the first anniversary of her death in the custody of Iranian so-called morality police. Iranian security forces surrounded the family's home in the city of Saqqez ahead of the anniversary and warned Amjad Amini against commemorating his daughter's death. Masa Amini was a 22-year-old Kurdish-Iranian woman. She was killed a year ago after she was arrested for allegedly failing to wear her headscarf properly. Her death sparked historic nationwide protests across Iran for months. Over 500 protesters, including dozens of children, were killed, while thousands of others were arrested as the Iranian government cracked down on the mobilizations. At least seven people have been executed for their involvement in the protests. A court in Egypt has sentenced one of the nation's best-known journalists and political activists to six months in prison in a case that's drawn condemnation from human rights groups. 64-year-old Hisham Qasim was convicted on what supporters say are trumped-up charges of slander, defamation and verbal assault on a police officer. Qasim is a co-founder of the free current movement of liberal political parties in Egypt and is seen as a possible challenger to President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi in the upcoming 2024 election. His arrest came after he criticized a member of Egypt's presidential pardon committee for failing to grant clemency to Egypt's thousands of political prisoners. In Britain, the comedian, actor and podcaster Russell Brand is facing multiple investigations after five women accused him of rape, sexual assault and emotional abuse. The abuse occurred between 2006 and 2013 at the peak of Brand's career. This according to a joint expose by three British media outlets, The Times of London, The Sunday Times and Channel 4 Dispatches. 
One woman said she entered into an abusive relationship with Brand when she was just 16 years old. The BBC and Channel 4 have both launched investigations into Brand, who worked at the networks at the time. Brand has denied the allegations. A statement from his lawyer said Brand's being targeted because he's now a, quote, alternative media broadcaster competing with mainstream media, unquote. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has removed Rolling Stone magazine co-founder Jan Wenner from its board of directors after Wenner claimed black and blacks and women, including Marvin Gaye and Joni Mitchell, were not articulate enough to be featured in his new book titled The Masters, in which he profiles seven rock musicians, all white men. Wenner made the comment in an interview with The New York Times. It's not that they're not creative geniuses. It's not that they're inarticulate, although you go have a deep conversation with Grace Slick or Janice, please be my guest. Or Cass, Elliot, wonderful person. You know, Joni was not a philosopher of rock and roll. She didn't, in my mind, meet that test, not by her work, not by other interviews she did. Maybe Marvin Gaye. You just, I could cut Curtis Mayfield or, I mean, they just didn't articulate at that level. Jan Wenner later apologized for his remarks. He's faced criticism for decades over how Rolling Stone wrote about black and women musicians. And those are some of the headlines. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. Coming up, voices from the march to end fossil fuels in New York City. Stay with us. We are the movement, liberation moving for every We have come to win. Sing that for all our children. Come on. We are the movement, liberation moving for every single human. We have come to win. Sing that for the land. We are the movement, liberation moving for every single human. The Peace Poets performing their new song, The End of Fossil Fuels, at Sunday's March to End Fossil Fuels. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. Under a bright blue sky here in New York City, organizers estimate some 75,000 people filled the streets of Midtown Manhattan Sunday in order to send a clear message to the world, and especially to U.S. President Joe Biden end fossil fuels. It was the largest U.S. climate mobilization in years. Some 700 grassroots groups united to call on Biden to declare a climate emergency, stop all federal approvals for new fossil fuel projects, phase out production of fossil fuels on federal public lands, and build a new clean energy future. The massive protest is part of more than 200 actions around the world leading up to the first-ever United Nations Climate Ambition Summit Wednesday, where countries will present fossil fuel phase-out plans and commit to no new fossil fuel production. The summit takes place during the U.N. General Assembly, where Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is set to address the U.N. Tuesday, as well as President Biden. Several other world leaders are skipping this year's summit, including those from four of the five permanent 
members of the U.N. Security Council, China, Russia, France and Britain. Sunday's march kicked off with a press conference and rally with activists from communities impacted by the fossil fuel industry and lawmakers. This is Democratic Congress member Jamal Bowman of New York. This is not just about saving our democracy. This is not just about saving our humanity. This is about saving the only planet we call home. And it has to be the craziest thing in the world that the U.S. government actually subsidizes its own self-destruction. today to demand that President Biden end the era of fossil fuels once and for all. In my community, we are surrounded by toxic fossil fuels that pollute our air and water. Fossil fuels are destroying the place I call home. For too long, industry has gotten away with sacrificing my community we say no more. Fossil fuels are taking the lives of people living in Cancer Alley. These are my family and my friends. Formosa Plastics plan to build a big plastic plant in my community, but we rose up and defeated it. And we'll keep rising up like we are doing today because our lives depend on it. And you know what? With the stroke of a pen, President Biden can stop fossil fuel. He can do it now. We are asking President Biden to stop all fossil fuels. And if you don't, it's a death sentence for communities, especially in Cancer Alley in Louisiana. We can't wait any longer. We are in a climate emergency. This summer was the hottest yet. And right now, we're in the middle of hurricane season. The storms are getting bigger, and fossil fuels are making it worse. President Biden talks a lot about environmental justice, 
and the climate crisis. But action speaks louder than words. Every new lease, every new plastic plant, every day that he refuses to end fossil fuels, President Biden is continuing to poison my family and my community. The time for President Biden is to act now. We demand that he stop all new fossil fuels approvals, phase out existing fossil fuels, and declare a climate emergency. President Biden, our lives depend on your actions today. If you don't stop fossil fuels, our blood is on your hands. Thank you. Next, we have the Honorable Mary Robinson. She is the chair of the elders, the former president of Ireland, and the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights. I am here as chair of the elders, but I'm also here as a grandmother, an angry granny, because we are subsidizing what is destroying us. We are in need of a very rapid movement out, phasing out with just transition, phasing out of coal, oil and gas, and in my own country, Ireland, peat, turf. Uh, we need to do it with just transition for the workers who built up our economies. We mustn't forget that. But what we need to do is understand that there is a lot of money supporting denying the science or messing up with the science and also prolonging the life of fossil fuel. Uh, and this money, about four billion a year, is stopping us from understanding fully how serious the situation is. And I like to say we're actually on the cusp of a clean energy, healthier, fairer, safer world for all. We're moving in that direction, but we're not moving fast enough. It doesn't seem too, too difficult to move faster, but we need leaders to take seriously that we are in a crisis. And when you're in a crisis, you have to be in crisis mode to deal with it. Our house is burning, as Greta Thunberg has said. So the elders strongly support phasing out fossil fuel and incentivizing clean energy, which the Inflation Reduction Act is doing. We strongly support um, opening up the multinational banks and the multilateral banks, um, the World Bank, the IMF and the other banks to provide much more money for developing countries to get clean energy. As I said, the elders are very involved in intergenerational dialogue. I'm very much involved in dialogue with Vanessa Nakate, my friend here, who will be speaking to you, and many other young climate activists. You are giving me hope because you are on the right track. Uh, we need to, uh, to have leaders understand, get out of fossil fuel now. It is harming us. It is not right for our world. We are out of balance with nature. We're in a climate and nature crisis, and we have to move much more rapidly. The uh, stock take that was done uh, of what the governments are doing, their nationally determined contributions, show the governments, are not, all governments, are not doing enough, but those most responsible are, are not doing nearly enough. And that is the United States, the European Union, but also countries, big emitters like Russia, China, um, uh, India, uh, Saudi Arabia, etc. So, um, yes, 
This march is particularly focusing on, on what's happening here in the United States, but it's a global problem. I'm delighted to be here on behalf of the elders. We are in total solidarity with you. You are give me hope because you are right and leaders need to listen to you now. Thank you very much. Next, we have Susan Sarandon, actress, mother, and activist. Susan, off to you. The U.S. is number one as the largest oil and gas producer. We heard uh, Obama brag about this, actually, about how much uh, oil and gas he was producing. And uh, accounts for one-third of all planned oil and gas expansions for the next few decades. Just this last year alone, President Biden has approved mega-polluting projects like Willow and the Mountain Valley Pipeline. I'm sure you all know about this. Even though there were very, very strong uh, uh, demonstrations and letters, and I've signed a bunch of them and everything, they went right ahead and did it, okay? He went right ahead and did it. This particular grouping today is about trying to put pressure on him because the good news is he could sign an executive order and change everything. Now maybe we stand a bit of a better chance because it's an election year is coming up and he hasn't really fulfilled his promises from the last time not to expand any gas and oil. So what we're asking for is to stop all federal approvals for new fossil fuel projects. Yeah, I wish I could do. Now! Yeah, now, okay. Phase out production of fossil fuels on federal public lands and waters. That seems obvious, right? I mean, please. Uh, declare a climate emergency and to halt oil exports and investments in fossil fuel projects abroad, as well as lead a just transition to clean community-centered energy at home. And it would also seem to make sense since almost all of our aggressions worldwide are about oil. And the war itself is, is like one of the biggest polluters that you could possibly imagine. So if we could end our dependence on fossil fuel, obviously we would not feel the urge to completely invade so many countries that we have invaded, right? So I'm Peter Kalmus. I'm a NASA climate scientist speaking on my own behalf. We are currently on a pathway to lose basically everything. The cause of this heat nightmare that we're in right now is fossil fuels. And our leaders around the world, including President Biden, are still expanding fossil fuels, approving Mountain Valley Pipeline, approving the Willow Project, expanding drilling on federal lands. It is a form of insanity. It's taking us deeper and deeper into irreversible planetary emergency. This is not something that we can just reverse. It's not like cleaning up garbage in the park. However hot it gets, that's how hot it's going to stay for generations. I don't know why I need to stand here and say this. I am a scientist. 
the scientists of the world have spoken. We have to stop expanding fossil fuels and ramp down fossil fuels as quickly as we can. It could not be more clear. I've got two kids in high school. I am terrified for their future. I'm terrified for my own future right now. Things are burning and flooding and the smoke is getting worse. The heat waves are getting worse. Will we be able to have food for 8 billion people? When will we see heat waves that have millions of deaths over the course of a few days? Because you have to understand, too, that every single year this gets worse. Every little bit of fossil fuel we burn makes the planet a little hotter and makes all of these impacts get worse. We are so clearly in a climate emergency why won't president biden declare it i just i feel so gaslit that it's insane it's so obvious my kids know what's happening 12 year olds know what's happening uh, elementary school kids know what's happening and this is a task of cosmic importance in my opinion this is the only planet in the universe that we know that has life and we are on the brink of the sixth mass extinction. We are on the brink of losing absolutely everything. There is no politics on a dead planet. There's no economy on a dead planet. There is no democracy on a dead planet. And it is so insane that the people in charge can't see this. This will, there is no way to escape this. Um, we have to turn the tide away from fossil fuels. Forget direct air capture, forget planting trees, forget carbon offsets, forget all of that bull****. There's not going to be a technological solution. The cause is fossil fuels. We have to end fossil fuels. Currently, the White House has no plan for ending fossil fuels. They're still expanding it. They're still subsidizing it. That means they have no plan for dealing with the decreasing habitability of our planet due to global heating. So we will rise up and fight. We have no choice. The people in power are failing us. We have to come together and fight. That's the only way, and that's what we're going to do. Climate activist and scientist Peter Kalmus of NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab, though he was speaking for himself at Sunday's press conference before the march to end fossil fuels in New York City. When we come back, we hear from Ugandan climate activist Vanessa Nakate and Congressmember Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and more. Stay with us. Like it's an object you can own No consideration that it's someone else's home Animals get tired Cause all the evils come And all the trees and rivers They will slowly come undone And we're angry Yeah, we're angry And we're sad Yeah, we're sad We can't believe it No, we can't Yeah. 
homes Bargaining a fate that nobody really knows Sacrifice our only chance of ever getting old Of course we're angry, of course we're angry Panic premiered at Sunday's March to End Fossil Fuels here in New York Sunday from the new climate change musical by the playwright V, formerly known as Eve Ensler, scheduled to open next year. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. Sunday's March to End Fossil Fuels culminated in a rally after some 75,000 people marched to the streets of Manhattan toward the United Nations, where world leaders are gathering this week for the United Nations General Assembly that includes a Climate Ambition Summit Wednesday. While the rally addressed world leaders, it focused on President Biden with a banner over the stage at the rally saying, Biden, end fossil fuels. Among those who spoke was New York Congress member Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, along with local and international grassroots activists. These are some of their voices. This is UNICEF Goodwill Ambassador Vanessa Nakate, who is the first Fridays for Future climate activist in Uganda. Before stepping here, my friend and sister, Helena Walinga, an Ecuadorian environmental and human rights activist, from the Kichwa Sarayaku community said something to me that everyone here and beyond needs to hear. She said, we should look at Ecuador that just voted out an active oil project in the Yasuni rainforest. This is the first example of climate democracy. She added and said, this is what phase-out of fossil fuels looks like. They are now protecting the most diverse place on this planet. And this was led by youth and indigenous people. This is why there is no climate justice without indigenous people. In 2020, I wrote a letter to President Biden and Vice President Kamara Harris that said, all we really want is a livable and healthy planet, an equitable and sustainable present and future. Is that too much to ask? This letter received a lot of support, but I was also trolled for it. Those that trolled focused on the pen that wrote it and ignored the message. They preferred the perfection in which it could have been delivered and ignored the bigger picture. For them, it wasn't about the message. It was about who wrote it and how it was written. I have learned that this world hasn't been changed and transformed by perfect people. It has been transformed by people who dreamed and envisioned a better world for all of us. It has been transformed by people who stood so that we stand. People who believed so that we believe. People who dreamed so that we dream. I was 23 when I wrote that letter, and now I'm 26. My older self fully understands why I wrote it. 
My younger self was worried for the future of the planet, communities, and people on the front lines of the climate crisis. On September 10, Storm Daniel dumped more than two feet of rain on parts of Greece. But as it traveled over the Mediterranean, it was boosted by sea temperatures that were two to three degrees warmer than average for early September. That extra warmth fueled stronger winds and allowed the air to hold even more moisture. The storm turned into American, a Mediterranean storm with the characteristics of a tropical cyclone. As Tom Daniel approached Libya, the storm dumped rain over the mountains above the coastal city of Dana. In one place, more than a foot of rain fell in 24 hours. Two dams that had been constructed in the hills above Dana collapsed. A torrent of water swept down the hills and through the city. Thousands of people were dragged out to sea. Huge sections of the city were completely destroyed and bodies are still washing up on the beaches. And now aid workers fear that a second humanitarian crisis is unfolding as the citizens of Dana face the growing risk of waterborne diseases amidst medicine and food shortages. Two days after Daniel tore through Dana, a report by All Change International showed that just 20 countries are responsible for nearly 90% of extraction from new oil and gas fields planned between 2030 and 2050. Five global north countries with the greatest economic means to rapidly phase out production are responsible for a majority 51% of planned expansion from new oil and gas fields through 2050. That is the United States, Canada, Australia, Norway, and the United Kingdom. The United States alone accounts for more than one-third of planned global oil and gas expansion through 2050. Historically, the United States is responsible for 29% of global greenhouse gas emissions. The entire continent of Africa, 54 individual countries, is responsible for less than 4%. This is wrong. This is no climate leadership. This is throwing a party when you know that your neighbor is mourning. The Global North has long benefited from the extraction of fossil fuels, and over and over again, the Global South has suffered the consequences. Well, I am now here to say to the fossil fuel industry, not anymore. We are here to say to big oil CEOs, not anymore. We call upon countries, and in particular the United States, to end new development of fossil fuels that are destroying livelihoods and lives. Because we cannot eat coal and we cannot drink oil. Today, 
Today, I am not writing another letter to the president, as the last one must have got lost in the mail. I'm standing on the strength of service and the strength of community to ask, to ask the president of the United States to do the right thing, to be the climate leader that the United States needs to be. We also call upon leaders at COP28 to agree on a just and equitable phase-out of fossil fuels. We will not stand by and let this destruction continue to happen. We will not stand by and let our communities to be destroyed. We will not stand by and let people's lives get lost as climate disasters become worse because we refuse to accept that anymore. So as a community, we have the power to stand together and say not anymore. Because when we come together and gather like this and speak together, I hear revolution. When we chant, when we chant and say, what do we want? and we say we want climate justice, I see a revolution. And change, change happens because of people who come on the streets. And we've seen that in the past. We'll see it today, and we'll see it in the years to come. Thank you so much. My name is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I'm the Congresswoman for New York's 14th Congressional District, repping the Bronx and Queens. Do we have any outer borough out here? Got the BX in the building, Queens in the building. I'm so honored to be here today, shoulder to shoulder with you all, because we are all here for the same purpose, to protect the planet, the people, and make sure that we end fossil fuels across the globe. Most importantly, I want to thank each and every one of you for being here and for showing up in force. It means something when people say, oh, we're thinking five, ten thousand dollars, ten thousand people are going to be here and fifty, seventy thousand people show up. Because we are in rooms, and I'm in rooms in Washington all the time, where people say that they have a commitment to this issue, but we need urgency on this issue right now. Right now. And the way that we create urgency on the issue of climate is when we have people all across the world in the streets, in the streets, showing up demanding change and demanding a cessation of what is killing us. We have to send the message that some of us are going to be living on, a, on this planet 30, 40, 50 years from now, and we will not take no for an answer. Climate must be a centerpiece of inside and outside organizing, an electoral and a popular force that cannot be 
ignored. This issue is, is one of the issues, the biggest issue of our time, and because of that, we must be too big and too radical to ignore. legislation I introduced in 2019 was the Green New Deal, which demanded a 10-year timeline. And at the time, people said it was too naive and too unrealistic, and we didn't take no for an answer. We still won't take no for an answer. Since then, we have organized and hit some milestones. Here in New York, organizers won commitments for 100% renewables by 2040. We've made sure new buildings will be fully electric, ensured that not only will new energy be renewable, but it will be available as public, democratically controlled goods for our most vulnerable communities. Because what we're not going to do is go from oil barons to solar barons. This belongs to the people. What we're not going to do is have vulnerable communities in a, fossil fuel com in a fossil fuel economy be left behind in a new economy. We are demanding a change so that working people Working people get better jobs and lower bills under a renewable energy economy. That is what we are here to make sure that we achieve. We're going to make sure that this transition is union, is union jobs, organized labor, dignity at the center. And we're going to make sure that we continue that fight. But the, but the powers that be are there, and it is real, and it is against us. Right now, the United States continues to be approving record number of fossil fuel leases, and we must send the message right here, today, right now, that that has got to end today. We know they're raking in record profits, but the popular support for climate is starting to buckle and crack that overall grip that the fossil fuel establishment has had in our politics. And that's because of you. Because of you. Don't let the cynics win. The cynics want us to think that this isn't worth it. The cynics want us to believe that we can't win. The cynics want us to believe that organizing doesn't matter, that our political system doesn't matter, that our economy doesn't matter. And we're here to say that we organize out of hope. We organize out of commitment. We organize out of love. We organize out of the beauty of our future. And we will not give up. We will not let go. We will not allow cynicism to prevail. We will not allow our visions of a collaborative economy, of dignity for working people, of honoring the black, brown, indigenous, white working class. We will not give up. And that is what we are here to do today, to tell our leaders, from President Biden to the UN General Assembly, to, to, to all of our elected officials, that we demand a change. It will happen now. It begins today. It is occurring today. And it's because of you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Keep marching. And we're going to accomplish this. See ya.
Marchetta Sibley Ozan. I am the founder, director, and CEO of the Vessel Project of Louisiana. I'm also the Gulf Fossil Finance Coordinator for Texas Campaign for the Environment Fund. I just want to say this is truly amazing and thank you all so much for coming out giving up your Sunday to be here because the time is now. We are all here to say that enough is enough. The way to right wrongs is to shine a light of truth on them. On August the 9th, 2023, President Joe Biden bold-faced lied and said that he had declared a climate emergency. As we all know, the president has not declared a climate emergency. What he has declared is a way for oil and gas to further exacerbate the climate crisis. What he has done is sit back and allow his spineless Federal Energy Regulatory Commission to continue to approve new LNG facilities in communities of color. What President Biden has done is allow for the Mount Valley Pipeline to be approved. He has allowed for bedrock environmental law, NEPA, to be gutted. Enough is enough with this cowardly president. If President Biden is not going to do the job that we voted him in office to do, we are going to vote him out of office. He likes to hide under agencies like the EPA and FERC and the Department of Transportation, but we know that he has the ultimate power of the pen. If he declares a climate emergency and stops the approval of all new extractive industry, then all of our communities will be better for it. President Biden, we are holding you personally accountable for the climate-induced disasters that our communities have faced, the record-breaking wildfires in Louisiana and Hawaii, the record-breaking flooding, record-breaking hurricanes year after year after year. You can no longer call these natural disasters because every one of them makes history. What's causing these disasters to be so historic? It's the amount of fossil fuel extractive industries that are surrounding these communities. If you continue to build on wetlands, these storms are going to come further inland and it's going to continue to destroy our homes and our families. Enough is enough, President Biden. It is time for us to have this president who sits high on a throne and looks down on us and only uses black, brown, and indigenous folk for photo ops and his little puppets when he wants a picture 
It is time out. We will no longer march to the White House and take pictures with you so you can put in your repertoire. Come down to our communities and see how we are living. As a black woman and as a single mom of six children and a new grandbaby, understand what it's like to live on the front line of climate change. My children have asthma. My sister was diagnosed with cancer. President Biden, how would you like it if it was your family that was dying? You have heard the words of Sharon Levine. She has told you about the folks who are dying in Cancer Alley. You've heard the words of John Beard as he talks about the communities in Port Arthur. You've heard Joe and Joy Banner talk about our ancestors and how our ancestral lands are being taken over. You've heard Mari talk about his farm and how MVP is building this pipeline. But President Biden, you might not know these people because to you they're ordinary folks but these are frontline leaders who are making a difference and it's time that you listen to them I'm Helen I'm a 16 year old organizer with Fridays for Future New York City I started protesting for climate justice when I was 11 the first sign I made was for the 2019 school strike here in New York City. It said, we deserve a future. And I'm here today still fighting for that same future. I am just one of the many young people who organized this march and spent their summers building youth turnout. Today, young people are here in massive numbers because we are out of time. <laughs> In 2020, a record number of us showed up to the polls and put Biden in office. After four years of Trump, we were ready to elect a president who promised to end drilling on federal lands and finally address this climate crisis. Yet, in his two and a half years as president, Biden has gone back on these promises. He greenlit the Willow Project. He skipped environmental review to build the devastating Mountain Valley Pipeline. And he approved countless other fracked gas pipelines and projects in Alaska and the Gulf Coast. His refusal to let go of fossil fuels is destroying us. America's oil and gas expansion makes up one-third of the entire global expansion planned through 2050. This is what's pushing us over the 1.5 degree warming threshold that is required to maintain a habitable planet. Because of this, crises are multiplying. This summer alone, New York City's skies turned orange. Libya is flooded. Maui has burned. And countless people died from heat and extreme weather. This is the world Biden and his peers have left for us. But this is not the world we are going to accept. across the globe protested to end fossil fuels and today there are tens of thousands of us out here with one simple message for Biden you have the executive authority 
to end oil and gas expansion and keep these fossil fuels in the ground. In 2024, we will be the most powerful voting bloc in the nation. Young people will be. You need our votes to stay in power. And that's why we're demanding you work with us. You declare a climate emergency. You end all drilling right now. You're going to make new promises, promises that are going to empower young people to turn out in 2024 once again. These promises will transition us to community-based renewable energy built by green union jobs. There is not enough time to put this off another term, and all of us will keep up the pressure until it's done. Thank you. That was 16-year-old Helen Mancini of Fridays for Future NYC speaking Sunday at the March to End Fossil Fuels outside the United Nations. During the rally, activists got a labor update about the historic United Auto Workers strike targeting the big three automakers. On Sunday, talks resumed between the UAW and General Motors, Ford and Stellantis. This is Chris Silvera of Teamsters Local 808. First of all, let me just say thank you to my IATSE brothers and sisters who are here. This is a union stage. We're not like them other people. We got to remember SAG and AFTRA and the UAW. Where's my union brothers and sisters standing up? This is a workers' fight. It is the poor, it is the working class that suffers with these fossil fuel devils. We have to move on. And I'm going to tell you something. If you elected 300 more AOCs, if you elected a president that thought like AOC, if you elected a Senate, I'm not talking about Democrats and Republicans, I'm talking about servants of the people. And labor has to be in the vanguard of this struggle because we have the resources, we have the organization, we have the power to join together with poor communities, with indigenous communities to say no to any more pipelines. No, because we can live without oil, but we can't live without water. We can live without oil, but we need clean air. And we are here as labor to stand in solidarity with let me do the count right quick. Woo! Look like about 75,000 people. We are here with you. Power belongs to the people. To the people belong the power. When you go to the polls, don't vote R, don't vote D. Vote for people like AOC. Power to you. That's Chris Silvera. Secretary Treasurer of Teamsters Local 808, addressing Sunday's March to end fossil fuels in New York City, where some 75,000 protesters took to the streets with their message for world leaders coming to the U.N. General Assembly this week. But the banner across the rally stage read Biden end fossil fuels. It was the largest U.S. climate mobilization in years. 
That does it for our show. Special thanks to Laura Bastios and Messiah Rhodes. Democracy Now! is produced with Renee Feltz, Mike Burke, Dina Guzder, Messiah Rhodes, Nermeen Sheikh, Maria Tarasena, Tammy Warrenoff, Trina Nadura, Sam Alkoff, Tamari Astudio, John Hamilton, Robbie Karen, Hani Masood, and Sanji Lopez. Our executive director is Julie Crosby. Special thanks to Becca Stelly, John Randolph, Paul Powell, Mike DeFilippo, Miguel Naguera, Hugh Grant, Dennis Moynihan. I'm Amy Goodman. Thanks so much for joining us.